Hey, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. We are glad that you're here. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. And uh, as you can tell, we're doing a series called Asking for a Friend. We're going to dive into another question today that we're asking for a friend. But I want to start by kind of setting it up and taking the time to um, think about the way we all kind of do life. Ever notice, I wonder if you've ever noticed this about yourself or uh, about people in general. Ever notice how we're really, really good at seeing maybe flaws or problems in other people's lives? <laughs> you ever notice that? You ever notice how you can, you can like look at somebody else's life and you can kind of see that the decisions that they're making are probably not going to end up where they thought they were going to. You ever seen that before? I'm, I'm really good at that. Like, I can see. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be really good at that. Like, I can kind of see where, where life is going. I, I can see when somebody, you know, starts showing up to work late, and they're, they're showing up to work late on a regular basis. I can, I can see where that's going to go. You can see it too, right? You, you know what's going to happen. And they think they're fine because they're like, oh, I only show up late, you know, every, every now and then. It's no big deal. But in reality, they're showing up late like four days out of five <laughs> or five days out of five. And you, you realize it's a problem and that it's not going well. And eventually, what's going to happen? Okay, you guys are smart. You know this. They're, they're, they're going to lose their job, right? You, you can tell what's going to happen. And so can I. Or maybe you've had your, you, you know, your brother-in-law or your best friend from high school or whatever text you and you're, you're catching up and you're talking and, and all of a sudden you find out that, that he has been talking to an old flame from high school, even though he's been married for 25 years. And you're going, eh. and he's like, hey, it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. We're just friends. We're just catching up. And you're going, hey, um... I can connect the dots, and this isn't going to go well. We can see where it's going. Here's the hard part. We're really good at seeing where it's going in other people's lives, but not so good at seeing it in ourselves. We can see other people's flaws and see where it's going, but then when we look at ours, we decide, you know what, no, no, no. You see, I'm going to be the exception, not the rule. When all of life experience tells us, what are we going to be? We're going to be the rule. That is true unless we learn to ask a question. Unless we bring ourselves to the place where we go, okay, if I keep doing what I'm doing, what can I expect? In other words, what path am I on, and where does that path lead? And if I keep going down this path, where's it going to take me? If we never learn to answer that question, we're going to end up being the rule. You ever notice that? 
And the question that we're going to wrestle with today is not one that we really want to because we tend to think we're just the exception. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And everybody else is doing it, and, and it's no big deal, and they're not having any problems. See, the question that we're going to wrestle with today has something to do with entertainment. And the question that our friend is asking is, can I watch this? And we say, well, it's not a big deal. It's just TV. It's not real. I'm not, it's not like I'm doing that or saying those things or behaving that way. Okay. But it puts us on a path. And for Christians, and I realize, I don't assume that everyone here is a Christian, but for, for Christians, we're called to something different. Do you know that? We're called to be different in a number of ways in our lives. And the passage that we're going to look at today, Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Ephesians chapter 5 is very, very clear on what our lifestyles should look like. It's very, very clear on how we should be different. But the passage that we're going to look at ends with telling us, well, why it matters so much. It ends with a couple of verses. Let me show you a couple of the verses. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, think about what you're doing and what you put your time into and where you give the, the very short amount of time that you have because you're making decisions and they're either wise or unwise. Then he goes on in verse 16, he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, he says, the decisions we're making, yes, even the decisions about entertainment and what we put in front of our eyes have something to do with how we view life and, and whether or not we're making wise or unwise choices and investing well with our time. Therefore, do not be foolish, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, cool. So what is the Lord's will? Well, let's dive in and look at this very clear question. Should I watch this? And here's the fun part. Like, I could name any number of shows. I could name any number of things. I could, you know, whatever. I don't even have to do that. The Holy Spirit's way better at that th than me. So you probably have something that's in your mind that you go, should I watch this? Or maybe recently you've kind of asked that question as you sat there at night and go, hmm, should I watch this? You know the cool thing? Like Netflix tells you right away what is in that. And you get to make a choice. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Prime tells you right away what's in it. I don't know if TV does. I don't really have TV, but I mean, I have a TV. Excuse me, I'm not like that crazy, okay? I just don't, have, you know, cable, the, the, you know, whatever. I don't know if they tell you that, okay? But it's just a question that we're gonna ask for a friend. Should I watch this? And I wanna preface it by saying, um, I am gonna approach this this morning talking to a person who would say, I want my life to reflect Jesus, okay? And I realize that may not be where you're at. And if that's the case, hey, you get to take a little nap. You're welcome, okay? <laughs> but if you'd say, I want my life to reflect Jesus, then let's look together 
at what the scripture says. And here's what Ephesians 5 gives us. It gives us really three areas where Christians are called to be different. It talks to us very clearly about how we're called to live differently. So I'm going to start in verse 3. Okay, now we could look at verse 1 and 2. It talks about being imitators of Jesus Christ, okay? You, you need to know that. That is what we're called to do. And then he talks about how we should actually imitate Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 3, he says this. But among you, who's the you? It's believers, okay? But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of any greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. A couple of things. The opening lines, nor should there be even, or excuse me, but among you there shouldn't, go back, sorry, sorry guys. But among you there, should, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. That word is used most often, that sexual immorality idea is used most often in the New Testament dealing with sex before marriage. Yeah, the scripture does talk about it. It does call. It, it, listen, this is not a defining thing. It, you are not defined by events. You are defined by Jesus Christ. And if that is a part of your path, please don't mishear me. There is no, I'm not shaming anyone. I'm just telling you, if you are in a place where you have the ability to make a choice about what you're going to do with your body before marriage, God does call us to make a wise choice. Because he's just trying to protect you. That's it. And I'm so thankful that he does. The second one, in, in the same vein, still talking about sexuality, he says, or any kind of impurity. And that's the word that has to do with any type of sexual sin. It's the word that's used often in the, in the Greek New Testament. It's the word porneia. It's, it's just a, a common word used to describe any form of sexual sin, whether it's adultery Okay, or, or lust, or homosexuality, or whatever it may be, the, the New Testament sums it up with this one word. Then he says, there shouldn't be any greed, because these things are not in line with what it looks like to follow Jesus. He goes on in verse 4, he says this, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, I, I don't really have to describe these things, but these words have to do with our speech and, the, and the, the type of things that we bring up in our speech and the way we joke about things and the way that we, we you know, we kind of, you know, we'll all joke with our buddies and be like, <laughs> you know, and the hard thing is, the New Testament calls us to something different. Here, here's the three areas. Here's the three areas that Paul talks about that Christians are to be different. We are to be different when it comes to our sexuality. We are to be different when it comes to contentment. And we are to be different when it comes to our speech. Now, I won't make you go back and look, but if you have your Bible in front of you, he's talking, that, that first one is very clear. He says, there shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Then he says, there shouldn't be any type of greed. And third, he says, there shouldn't be anything going on with our speech, foolish talk, obscenity, coarse jesting. You know what's interesting? Man, I look at this and I go, man, that describes a lot of TV, doesn't it? And I realize this gets really tough. 
Now, this talk is not designed. I'm not, I'm not here to sit in, as some authority and judge you in this. But, but since we're asking for a friend, not you, not me, since we're asking for a friend, let's dive in and evaluate whether or not we should watch it. There are two reasons that show up in the next couple of verses. Two reasons that we should be different in our sexuality and different when it comes to contentment and different in our speech. And and I'm going to apply this to then different in what we watch. There's two reasons. Shows up in verse 5, the first one. Look at what it says. It says, for of this, you can be sure. Okay, all of these things. What, what is he saying? He's saying, Christians, we should look different. We should imitate Christ. We should look different when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to contentment versus greed, when it comes to our speech. Because, for of this, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, by the way, such a person is an idolater, and, and can I just take a time out? Man, this is like so hard. You may think the United States is not filled with idolatry, but the United States is filled with greed and immorality. Isn't it true that we can very easily be filled with idolatry? We just don't carve things out of gold or silver or wood anymore. We just buy them on car lots or get it at the store or see it on TV and long to have it. Right? Be sure of this, that anybody whose life is wrapped up in this, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This is what's really scary to me. This is why this, t- this text and this topic is so important, because no one who lives this way belongs to the Lord. You catch it? That's the first reason. No one who lives this way belongs to the Lord, okay? Now look at verse six, okay? Look at where, excuse me, verse eight. Look at what it says. It says, for, here's the second reason, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He's arguing for all of this. We should be different for, t- for these reasons. Nobody who, whose life is wrapped up in those things really belongs to the Lord. And, and, and secondly, this is who you used to be. You used to be consumed by darkness, but now there's something new. See, when Jesus showed up, he changes us. He gives us a new and better way. We used to be that. We are not any longer. So the two reasons, number one, no one who lives this way belongs to the Lord. Number two, we used to be part of that, but not any longer. So what do we do? What, what, what should our lives look like? At the end of verse eight, he begins to give us the answer. Look at what he says. Ephesians five and verse eight. He says, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying this is what we should do. We should live as children of light, and he tells us how to do that. He tells us to do that by finding out what pleases the Lord, and I love that he doesn't even have to say, go do it. He's just implying 
You find out what pleases the Lord, and guess what? Because you're a Christian and you want to please the Lord, guess what you do? You do it. Plain and simple. I'm not saying it's easy to do all the time. But the concept is simple. That's who, who we're to be. I don't care if you've been following Jesus and you're for, for 45 years and now you're, you're 55 or you're 65 or whatever it is. The, the concept is still the same for you. I find the longer I've been following Jesus, the deeper I'm finding problems in my heart. Just this week, um, I, I've, I've known Jesus since I was six years old. You would think that the concept of being gracious and forgiving should be easy for me, right? <laughs> You have some fun interactions with customer service and you find out how good at that you are. Right? Isn't that interesting? You have, you have a problem in your family and there's like heaviness and you're just tired of dealing with family stuff and you find out just how forgiving you really are. This is what we're called to do. We're called to live as children of the light. We find out what pleases God and we go and we do it. Then he goes on. Actually, let me, let me just bring up a couple of things on, on this subject of what we watch first. Maybe it is time, if we take this concept of finding out what pleases the Lord and doing it, maybe it's time that we make some changes with our habits. Here's what I mean. Don't don't scroll to pages of women other than your wife. Unfollow them. Don't scroll to pages of men other than your husband. Unfollow them. Don't pull up an app and look for some mildly illicit image knowing where it's going to lead you Delete the app. Don't turn on the TV or a show that leads you to something that you know is unholy, but you justify it saying, I'm not doing it, I'm just watching it. Turn the TV off. Don't watch the news that gets you so riled up with fear and worry that you can't even be content. Or have peace. Go to God's word. And rest in him. This is what it looks like. To find out what pleases the Lord. And do it. It requires. A choice. Discipline. Now verse 11. This for me is the hardest verse of the entire passage. And it's probably the most important. Here's what it says. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Ha have nothing to do with. That doesn't mean turn it on your TV and let it play. That doesn't mean put it on your feed and let it scroll. It doesn't mean download an app and look at it and laugh. It means have nothing to do with. That's what it means. 
That's what we're, we're, we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. It's, you know, you can be at home and you can turn something on your TV and you say everybody's watching it and they're all recommending it. And yeah, I know there's a little bit of trash in it, but that's fine. Maybe I'll kind of scroll past it. Yeah, but if your children were going to pull that up and tell you, oh, but I'm going to scroll past it, what would you do then? So why, why are we doing something different to ourselves? Wait, why? What are we doing? You see, we are called to live as children of the light by doing two things. The first one I already told you, finding out what pleases the Lord and doing it. And secondly, by having nothing to do with the old way of living. Here's why. Because what started as a stroll through Instagram turned into a porn addiction. What started as a movie that seemed sketchy, but everybody else was watching it and talked about it, it turned into fantasies that led to an adulterous affair. What started as a romance novel turned into texting that led to a destroyed marriage. So the reality is, we need to wrestle with this question. What should I watch? And I know, a lot of us would say, and it's easy to say, but it's not really that big of a deal, and it's not hurting me, and it's not, okay, that's fine. Let me, let me just share with you another passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, says this. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth, and they, they thought, hey, we're good. We have Jesus. We have the Spirit. We're, we're good to go. We can make choices and be okay. And they, they said, I have the right to do anything. That's what they were saying to Paul. But Paul responds, but not everything is beneficial. They say, I have the right to do anything. But Paul responds, but not everything is constructive. It brings up a couple of ideas, and these are some of the most important questions that I want you to remember. If you're taking any notes, please grab onto these two questions because they can help you apply what we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. Okay? Question number one. What are my entertainment choices building in my life? The things that I'm watching, the things that I'm allowing, the things that I'm scrolling, the things that I'm spending time on. Remember, we're talking about being wise, not unwise, because the days are evil and the time is short. We're talking about what are the entertainment choices that you are making? What are they building in your life? Are they helping build contentment? Are they helping build peace? Are they helping build morality and, and, and a, a godly sense of sexuality? Our sexuality is a great gift, but we can misuse it quickly. What, what are they building? In fact, it's the question of where is it taking you? And you may say, well, it was just once or twice, it's okay, you know, it's not a big deal, and and, and you, you, know, you kind of started maybe, and I'm, I'm just going to dive right in here for just a second, okay? Maybe for some of you, you kind of just, you happen to see some explicit images, and then it, it just little by little, it started to take you further and further, and you say, oh, it's not a big deal, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I, I'm telling you, your brain is sending you on a track towards a full-blown addiction to pornography if you are not careful. It's just what happens, And I don't want that for you. And neither does Jesus. Here's what the scripture tells us. 
tells us that, because we, we, we justify things. We say, well, it's not a big deal. I'm not really doing anything sexually wrong. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, look at what Jesus says, Matthew 5. He says this. He says, if you're, he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that, by the way, it's not just men. That goes the other way, too. It's not just men. And then he goes on and he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole eye to be thrown into hell. Jesus is talking about radical amputation. Jesus is saying, listen, get rid of it. Get rid of the app. Get rid of the phone. Get rid of the computer. Get rid of the TV. Burn it all to the ground before it kills you because it will. And we say, well, I couldn't live without that. No, you might not be able to live with it. You might not be able to live with it. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So, here's the second question that I want you to latch on to today. What am I tolerating in my life that I shouldn't be? What am I building with my entertainment choices? And what am I tolerating that is actually killing me? Slowly. Here's the thing. We wrestle with what we watch. But we need to start asking ourselves questions like this. Is there sexual immorality or impurity that I'm tolerating on my feed? Are there things that I wouldn't want my kids to see? Is there greed or jealousy in your heart that you are tolerating because you're seeing things on your feed and you're going, man, I wish my life was like that. And uh, I just want it to be like that. And you're comparing and all. Cut it out. Literally cut it out. Is there joking or is there jesting or are there things that I am tolerating that, that I would discipline my children for? But they're a part of my life. Here's why it's such a big deal. I'm going to walk through this really quickly, okay? So just buckle up for a second. Proverbs chapter 7 shows us what happens. And I, I wish, like this passage is scary, okay? I'm just going to go through it quickly. Proverbs 7, starting in verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. This is Solomon writing about this, and he's warning his son. He's telling his son about what happens with what you give your eyes to if you aren't careful. I looked down through the window of my house. I looked through the lattice. Verse 7. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. I saw a young man who's out. He's out and about in the city. Verse 8. He says, then, he came, then came out a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. The man is out. The young man is out looking. He, he, he's just hoping <laughs> to run into somebody. Okay? And then it goes on. In verse 11. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. 
Verse 12, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Verse 13, she took hold of him and she kissed him with a brazen face. She said, today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. Verse 15, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. Really? This is what happens with temptation. This is what happens when we view things. It, it, it will lead us someplace. Verse 18, come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Verse 19, my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. She's saying, hey, guess what? We won't get caught. And that's what sin says. You won't get caught. Verse 20, he took his purse filled with money. He will not be home till the full moon. We have as much time as we want. We can do whatever we want with whomever we want, whenever we want. That's what sin says. So then with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, this description should haunt us. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. To me, it's not by mistake that we're in the middle of deer season. <laughs> Till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. So what should you watch? Is it okay for me to watch this? You might be you might be able to live without it. You certainly can live without it. But you may not be able to live with it. I want you to watch one man's testimony of how God showed up and broke him in the midst of not being careful what he watched. I think we're all made for intimacy. But intimacy carries its risks. People can reject us. People can disappear. They can die. Pornography offers this artificial intimacy with no risks. So every day I said hello to the, to the woman who wouldn't laugh at me or who found me attractive, engaging. And every day I gave a piece of myself away. It left me emptier and hungrier every time. And yet I kept coming back. I was oblivious to what it was doing to my wife until one day she caught me. I don't know how long she'd been standing there, but she was crying. And so I apologized and we talked it through. I was still afraid. A few days later, she found a, a condom on the floor in the bathroom that I couldn't quite explain. This time, she didn't cry. She sat me down on the edge of our bed and she said, I'm done. I still love you, but I don't like you. 
I don't trust you. I don't respect you. And I don't believe you can ever change. That's what it took for me to get out of my private world. Living in the truth, walking in the light, no matter how other people might perceive it. I mean, that's, that's freedom. And to know that I'm, I don't have to perform to be accepted. I always felt bad that I wasn't a better person. I even created this false self, this Saint Nate, that I tried to breathe on its own. I felt bad that, that Saint Nate could only live at church. Now I know that Jesus never loved Saint Nate, because he didn't make Saint Nate. He made me. Jesus loves me, wants a relationship with me. And that's the only real relationship there is. There's a tremendous liberty when you arrive in a place that's safe enough to bring your real self and say the real truth. There were men who did that for me, Christian men. And I found that I could give the same gift to another guy, sit down over a cup of coffee and just tell him my story. And even if his life is different from mine, and everybody's life is different from mine at the details, something about my story resonated with his. And so many times, by the time we finished, he'd say, well, you know, I've never told anybody this, but he got a taste of freedom, too. Because of my addiction, I now understand that but only God is the center of things. He's actually used my addiction for good. Because of it, I've been forced to join the human race and surrender to a power greater than myself. God is good. God is love. And if I'll follow the path that he's laid out for me, I can live every day in the warmth of his love, and I can reflect it to others. I don't think I ever really met Jesus until I stepped out of my, my church persona and became just another desperate, broken man. That's when he really became real to me. This isn't the ministry I've, I planned. <laughs> but I know it's mine. And, uh, and my wife knows it too. We're in it together. My wife will tell you today that she's been married to two guys named Nate Larkin. And as hard as those first 20 years were, she'd take him again to get the last 10. I'm Nate Larkin, and I am second. So here's what I want to call you to. I want to call you to what Nate is offering and what Jesus is offering. I want to call you to freedom. It may feel like it's hard to say no to some of those uh, things.
I can watch this. It's not a big deal. I can do this. It's not a big deal. I can talk like this. It's not a big deal. But I, I, that's not freedom. What Jesus offers is freedom. He offers forgiveness and grace. And if you're here today and you do not feel free, I just want to offer freedom to you. It may feel embarrassing. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a whole lot better to deal with it now than to get caught. It's a whole lot better to be honest now than to experience loss. So I invite you, I invite you to freedom in Jesus. The way that you can do that I realize it may be hard to come and talk to me or somebody else, but I would tell you, you, you need to. You need to. So I'll be here at the end. And I'll be honest with you. And I'll walk with you. We have resources listed on our website, on bridgewater.church slash asking. There's resources on these very subjects, the things we watch and pornography and, and fighting to live for Jesus, okay? Because we want to see you be free. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the grace that's found in him. And God, I pray that you would set people free today that you'd help us to live in you and for you and realize that your way is not just like God's suggestion, but it is good and helpful. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.